0: Hi, Bishop Barron. My name is Cecilia. I'm 11 years old, and I live in Massachusetts.
1: When Jesus was in the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil. I would like to know, why would God allow the devil to exist? Thank you for your time. Wow, great question. Um, I like the fact that you use the word allow. That's the right word. So people say, how come God created the devil? Well, God didn't create the devil, meaning God didn't create an evil being. God permits evil, we say, to bring about some greater good. So let's look at the devil. Welcome back
0: to the Word on Fire show. I'm Brandon Vaught, the host, and I'm here with the Auxiliary Bishop of Los Angeles who leads the region of Santa Barbara, Bishop Robert Barron. Bishop Barron, good to see you. Hey Brandon, always a joy to see you. Now, this episode's gonna air in early June. We're recording it in mid-May, and this happens Mm -hmm. to be the exact day that we're releasing your long-anticipated Sacraments film and study program. I know we've been talking about it for a while. You filmed it almost a year ago, so it's been a year in production, getting all the videos and the study materials made. Uh, But I think all of us here are especially excited that it's being released now, at a time Mm -hmm. when the sacraments are unavailable for a lot of people. Talk about why the timing of this uh, seems to be a bit providential.
1: Yeah, and who would have guessed that, right? When we were filming this back, I think it was October, who would have guessed we'd be going through this time? Super proud of this video. It looks beautiful. Uh, We filmed these six talks back in October in a beautiful church in uh, Hollywood, and uh, Spirit Jew Studios put it together. They always do a fine job. And it's the one... Brandon, as you know, that was a direct response to what the people of God told us when we asked them, hey, what would you like us to do for our next uh, video? And the overwhelming response was something on the seven sacraments. So this was our response. And yeah, my hope is that um, as the hunger for the sacraments has increased during this strange time, this might be a particularly good moment to reflect on them more profoundly. Let me
0: encourage everybody to go to the website, wordonfireshow.com slash sacraments. You can watch a sample episode from the series and then learn more about how to get access to the rest of it. We, of course, have it available as a DVD set, so you can buy that, bring it home, watch it with your family. We also have a streaming version, so you can either rent it or buy it online. But I especially wanna encourage parishes to consider buying access for your entire parish. We've seen hundreds of parishes do this through our Engage platform. I won't go into all the details of Engage, but you can find it at engage.wordonfire.org. We've teamed up with Flocknote, which is the premier Catholic emailing, texting, communication tool. And we've leveraged our content and their tool to allow you to evangelize all the people in your parish, even people that don't show up for mass. And the sacraments is a part of that. We have a a new mini course that we've prepared where it has pre-written emails, text messages, video clips, everything, all done for you. So you just hit a couple buttons and send it out to your entire parish. So while they're at home, they can still watch this new series from Bishop Barron. So check it out, engage.wordonfire.org. All right, Bishop, today we're getting back to one of our favorite types of episodes, and that's our kids' Q&A. I remember yeah, way back, several years ago, my kids were with me when we came and did a trip out to California and we sat around yeah. in the studio there it was with you right
1: and next door here in the studio. Yeah, right,
0: right behind you there. And it was we, yeah. we, we weren't planning to do it. We kinda of just said, Hey, no. let's see what happens and the kids asked all sorts of goofy questions. But then People from all over the world started sending in yeah. questions from their kids. And we got dozens and dozens and thought, hey, let's do an episode. And from there, it turned into sort of a bi-monthly feature. And and now our repository of questions from kids, I had like 100 questions in there to choose from. So oh, if you sent them in, <laughs> we, we can't get to all of them on each episode, but I'm trying to work my way through them. Please keep sending them in. You can do yeah, that at AskBishopBaron.com. Them. The questions are so innocent, but so insightful. I think Bishop Barron and I are both struck by how thoughtful and probing a lot of these questions from young kids are. So let's start off here. This one is from Dominic, he's 10 years old, and he's asking about Jesus's death. Here it is. Hi, Bishop Barron. My name is Dominic Dugavito, and I'm 10. I was wondering if there's a reason why Jesus died on the cross rather than some other death. Thanks.
1: Well, wow, what a good question you know <clears throat> Could Jesus have come among us and, and lived to be you know seventy five and died of of old age? Yeah, I suppose that was possible as the, as the great theologians Dominic think about this question, they say something like this: Jesus came to enter fully into our human condition, what it 's like to be a human being, and Jesus entered into our own weakness, he entered into our own um, sickness, our own fears, even the fear of death, and he died in this particularly terrible way. So, especially in Jesus' time, that was about the worst death anyone could imagine, is death on a cross. St. Paul says that. He accepted even death, death on a cross. So I think it might represent God's journey into all that we suffer from, his journey into all the darkness of the human condition. Which means not just death and the fear of death, but but physical pain, psychological pain. Think when Jesus said, you know, even God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Well, that's entering into some of the worst suffering that we can feel as human beings. So I think that's maybe the best way to get at it, is God wanted to show us how thoroughly he loved us by taking on all of our pain and i think that's what what the cross means
0: great question dominic next up we're going to hear from three kids in pennsylvania and i'm pretty sure they're siblings they didn't say for sure but i think they're three siblings from pennsylvania the first one is a six-year-old girl named molly and she's got a great question about other planets here it is okay <laughs> hi bishop baron my name is molly and I'm six years old, I live in Pennsylvania, and my question is, why did God make all these other planets
1: that people can't live on? I love that question. You know, I'm always reminded, Brandon, on these shows, what I I used to tell my students at Mundelein, which was, remember, guys, the simplest questions are always the best in theology. You know, if if you kind of rattle off some question with, you know, eight-syllable words and that sort of thing. It might impress academic people, but the really, really good questions are the simple ones. And that's a good example now. So why did God make the planets and the stars and the whole expanse of the universe that we know about, and we live on this little tiny speck of a planet, right? So why would God have done that? Here's a quick answer. The quick answer is, God made the universe in all of its wonder and all of its variety and all of its splendor to show forth his own beauty and glory. See, think of God as as beauty itself. God is is the best possible reality. So how does God show that? Well, there's no one creature that would reveal the fullness of who God is. No matter how splendid a, a single creature is, he can't Express fully who God is so God makes more and more and more And you say well, how about just you know make one species of animals, but just make about a million of them Wouldn't that be enough? No, no because that one species couldn't begin to show you the splendor of God Well, how about make a planet like earth with all of its variety? Well, no earth wouldn't begin to express the fullness of God's splendor so God makes all of these things most of which we don't know much about. Think of you know 99% of our universe, I don't know much about it all. No one does. But yet God made it, and God continues to, to keep it in being. Why? To manifest his glory. Think about something else. Right now, there are insects crawling on leaves and tree branches in Mongolia. Right? Right now, there are. Do I know anything about them? No. Do they have anything to do with me? No. Will they ever have anything to do with me? No. But yet, there they are. <laughs> now, why? Because in their particular way, they express something of God's goodness and glory. The universe is like that. Think of when you walk along the beach and you see, like, all of these shells that have washed up you know they were you know once the protective shells of of living creatures living in the at the bottom of the ocean i mean we know nothing about them they have nothing to do with us and yet there they are god seems to love this sort of variety and he loves to make lots and lots and lots of different things because it 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 shows forth his beauty It shows forth his glory i think that's the best way to answer the question about the planets that's just one more example of it is god made and again think of the planets that we know it's a very teeny teeny tiny part of the universe think of the billions of planets that we know nothing about and yet god made them god keeps them in existence so i I do it that way it's god's exuberance Brandon, you and I, we both love G.K. Chesterton, and he often compares God to a child that way. Right? A child is exuberant and, and loves to, hear. tell me that story again, tell it again. Uh, kids love to play in this kind of, maybe it, it strikes adults as kind of silly, but kids love it because it's just, it's fun and it's good. Well, the universe in a way is like that. It's God's exuberant play and the display of his glory. Hope that makes a little bit of sense to you.
0: All right, next question. We'll keep it in Pennsylvania, and I think we're keeping it in the same family. This is from little okay. Leo. He's five years old. He's asking about God's nocturnal habits. Here he is. <laughs> okay. Hi, Bishop Barron. My, my name is Leo. I live in Pennsylvania. And I'm, five, I'm five years old, and my question is, where does God sleep?
1: <laughs> where does God sleep? What a cool name you have, by the way, Leo. I like that name. The Lion. You're a lion. you got to roar and you got to show courage (laughs) with a name like that. Um, Where's God's sleep? Well, you know, think about sleep. First of all, Leo, I I love to sleep. I think most people, you know, the end of a long day when you're really tired, it's kind of nice, isn't it, to get in bed and, and you fall asleep. Or maybe like on a Sunday, if you got nothing else to do in the afternoon, you could actually go in and take a little nap for a half hour. There's something lovely about Sleeping. Well, you know why, Leo? It's because we have these bodies that get tired, right? So we make our way through the day and we do this and do that. And especially like, you know, maybe the end of the day, we've been playing a lot. Uh, I remember when I was a, when I was a kid and I played a lot of baseball and basketball and football. I used to kind of love it at the end of the day after a really long practice or a really hard game or something. And then you felt really tired. And it was kind of lovely to get into bed and then you fall asleep because... Our bodies need that to get rejuvenated. That's a big word for you, to to kind of come back to life again, right? So that's why we like sleep and why sleep is good for us. But now imagine a, a reality like God who doesn't have a body. See, So God doesn't get tired. God doesn't need to sleep the way we do because he doesn't have a body that gets fatigued. And so God is always awake. And that's another side of it now. God's always watching, knowing, aware of us. God never tires of doing his work. And what's his work is trying to draw us into into friendship with him. God wants us to be his friends. Does that tire him out? No, never. He doesn't get tired from that. Uh, God's work is to love the world and to love it into being and to draw it to himself. Does he ever get tired? No, he doesn't get tired. There's a great line, Leo. Someday you'll you read it on your own in the Bible where it says, You know, that I might run and never grow weary. And now I bet you feel that way. When I was a little guy, I remember days like summer days when I would just be out playing and I would just be running and running and running and running and I never felt tired. Uh, that's wonderful when you're a kid. Is heaven like that, I wonder? You know, Heaven where we can be active, and we can do all kinds of fun things, and we can accomplish, and we're not going to grow tired. That we're not going to need to sleep in heaven. Well, see, God's like that. God, God does his work all the time, but it just makes him more energetic. It makes him more alive. He doesn't feel tired. So I, I, would, um, I would take a lot of joy in that. Here's a last thought for you. Uh, Before you go to sleep at night because I do this too before as I'm I'm in bed. I'm about to go to sleep. I'll say Lord Thank you for this day and I trust you In other words like okay, Lord, I'm checking out now (laughs) I'm gonna go to sleep But I trust you're still in charge of the world (laughs) and you're still watching over me and I know you don't go to sleep So that's (laughs) that's really good news all right, we'll do the third and final question here from Pennsylvania. Again, I think
0: from the same family. This one okay. comes from James. He's 8 years old and he's asking about friendships and heaven. Continuing our trend, by the way, we mentioned this in the last Q&A. So many kids fascinated with questions about heaven, hell, death, the afterlife. Yeah. It's a perennial concern. Here's James's question. Okay. Hi, Bishop Barron. I'm James from Pennsylvania and I'm 8 years old. And my question is, will you have friendships in heaven, and will they be the same as your friendships on earth?
1: Yeah, boy, great question. You know, I would say, in a way, that's all we'll have in heaven. That's what heaven is, in a way, is is friendship. See, a friend is someone that you love, right? A friend is someone that you share your life with. And You talk to him or to her and and he talks back to you and you share your heart and your mind and your interests, right? a friendship draws you out of yourself and your own little world and concerns into someone else's world and Then that person is drawn out of his world into yours. It's like a beautiful exchange, right? so heaven is the life of God God is love and So heaven is a, is a place of love So I think in a way that's all there is in heaven is friendship now, you know here in this life um, You know, you're really friends with probably a handful of people, you know, who are really your best friends And there's kind of a wider circle of people that you know You're kind of friendly with and then a wider circle that you kind of know Okay, but in heaven we maybe imagine that in heaven we have that kind of intimate friendship with with everybody, because we love them in God and through God and and for the sake of God. That the joy of heaven will be this sort of endless friendship. You know, aren't those in some ways the best moments in life when you're with a, your buddy? I don't know, like who's your best friend, but when you're with him and you're you know you're playing baseball or something or you're just. Hanging around or you're you're watching TV together or something. It's just fun I mean friendship is wonderful and whether you're a kid or whether you're 90 years old believe me human beings We all like friendship and a really good friendship is about the best thing in life Think of you know, like um, mom and dad. Well marriage is just a kind of very intense form of friendship, isn't it? Um, Heaven is that all the time (laughs) Heaven is that all the way friendship with with everybody um, so your the part of your question was, will they be the same as our friendships here? No, they'll be better. See, here, as I said, we can just be friends with a, maybe a handful of people. But in heaven, our friendships will be so intense and, and infinite. And that's why it might take us all of eternity to to explore all these friendships. So they'll be better. They'll be more intense. They'll be more joyful than they are here. So... Think of your friendships now as like a little anticipation of heaven. They'll give you an idea of what heaven is like. All right,
0: great question, James. We're going to move next to Alice. She's six years old, and she has a precocious question about whether God can make a mistake. Here it is. Hmm. Hello, Bishop Barron. My name is Alice. I am six years old. I'm calling from Poland, my question is if God can do anything can he make a mistake
1: (laughs) that is a really good question and it shows that you are a real theologian because uh, a lot of the great theologians have asked questions like that another way you could ask it is okay God can do everything so can God commit a sin I can commit a sin you know a brandon can commit a sin and so why can't God God can do everything so hey I make mistakes Uh, Brandon makes mistakes. Well, then why can't God make a mistake? Well, here's the answer and it's it's a little Tricky, but it's an important uh, question and answer a Mistake or a sin that's not a thing. That's like a no thing. Does that make sense? It's like a nothing So a mistake like I say two plus two equals six. No, 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 that's not right. See that's not the way things really are Uh, or when I commit a sin I'm doing something that I shouldn't do. No, no, you shouldn't be doing something like that. It's against who you are, right? Well, God can't do that. But that's not to say that God has a limit. It means that God can't experience that sort of negation of who he is. God can't do those sort of non-being things. So you say, okay, God's all powerful. Why couldn't God make two plus two equal six? Well, no, because that's just like a nothing. Two plus two doesn't equal six. That's a nothing. So God can't do that, but that's no limit on God. That just means that God is, is um, above that sort of mistake that we can make. So God can do anything. Yes, that's true. God can do everything. Right, but notice what I just said. Everything. God can do anything. What he can't do is a nothing, and that's a mistake or a sin, is like a nothing. But that's a really cool question, and um, believe me, a lot of smart people have kind of wrestled with that very question you just asked, so you're a good theologian.
0: Yeah, you see it, especially among high schoolers, college students, trying to play language games undermining God. The the common one I'll hear all the time is, can God make a rock so heavy that even he can't (laughs) lift? But as you say, that's like a no thing. There's no, that's a that's logically contradictory. There's no such thing as a rock so big that God
1: can't lift. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, let's move from
0: the the, uh, philosopher Alice to the philosopher Ashlyn. She's 10 years old. And again, these young girls seem like they're cut from the same cloth as Thomas Aquinas because she's got some really thoughtful (laughs) questions about angels, spirits, and supreme beings. So here's her question. Okay. Hello, my name is Aslan Kuglica. I am 10 years old, and I am from New Concord, Ohio. Hmm. I have two questions. My first one is if an angel is a spirit or a soul. And my second one is if there could be two supreme beings. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Good. Excellent question. Yeah, you guys are. You're real theologians. I love that. And don't let anyone ever say to you, oh, those are you know, dumb questions, or don't ask those. No, no, those are great questions. And they're, again, some of the smartest people in our tradition, believe me, have, have wrestled with those very questions. So the first one about angels. Uh, is an angel a spirit or a soul? An angel is a spirit. Now, that just means an angel is a creature, right? Made by God. But an angel is a pure spirit. It means an angel doesn't have a body, so you and I are a combination of spirit and body. So we're bodies, but there's a soul, we say, that animates, that, that enlivens our body, right? So we're kind of a coming together of spiritual and material. An angel is a pure spirit. Now, I like your distinction there between a spirit and a soul because it sheds some light. So I just said that I'm, for example, a combination of soul and body, which means that when my body dies, my soul continues to exist, right? That means my ability to think and to will and to relate. Now, is my soul, when it's separated from my body, happy? Not perfectly, no, because my soul is meant for my body. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not a soul that just happens to have a body. No, I'm a body and soul. And so we believe, for example, that through God's providence, my soul will be reunited to my body. Now, in a higher way, you know, in a way that we can't entirely understand now, but the soul is meant for the body. But see, an angel is not like that. An angel wasn't meant for a body. An angel doesn't have a body. An angel is, from the beginning of its existence, a pure spirit. So that would be uh, uh, the distinction I'd make there. Your second question is really cool and very interesting. Can there be two supreme beings? And I might get a little subtle here, but you asked a good subtle question. Can there be, for example, two planets in our solar system that are exactly the same size? Yeah. I mean, in fact, aren't, like, Jupiter and Saturn are close to the same size, I think, right? Brandon, you know more about it than I do. I think Jupiter's bigger, right? But could there be, for example, a, another Jupiter? There'd just be two Jupiters in our solar system. And you'd say, hey, if actually, there are two supreme planets in our solar system. Yeah, sure, that's possible, you know. But see, God is not a supreme being in that sense. So there's, there's myself, there's Brandon, there's all these questioners, there's the planet Jupiter, there's uh, God. Well, no, that's not the right way to think about God. Rather, we say that God is infinite. It's a cool little word, isn't it? Infinite. Finis in Latin means, means end or like border. You know, if you have like a border around something, that's the finis. So if God is infinite, that means he doesn't have a border doesn't have a limit uh nothing nothing uh, stops the divine being we see there can't be two infinite realities does that make sense there can be two planet jupiter is the same size there could be two let's say two galaxies are exactly the same size okay but there can't be two infinites so in that sense um no, there can't be two gods. That's why we say we believe in one God. So there can't be two infinite realities. So I got a little philosophical there, but that was a philosophical question. And uh, again, I find, Brandon, I don't know if you do with your kids, that kids naturally ask philosophical questions. And we tend to say, uh, oh, well, come on, that's sort of silly, or no one knows the answer to that. Well, no, I, I think we should encourage kids to ask philosophical questions.
0: part of the problem is when a lot of kids get to school education immediately takes a pragmatic turn and it's less and less about the big questions and the metaphysical questions and more like what do i need to know to learn specific skills to get a specific job or make it through this specific program and those little philosophical questions fade in importance but we've tried in our family and i know a lot of parents now are trying to revive that in their kids and to encourage the big speculative metaphysical questions because those are not just the best ones but the most important ones. I want my kids to keep right. asking those as they get older. All right, yeah. next up we're gonna turn to Cecilia, 11 years old, she's in Massachusetts and she's got a question about God and the devil. Here it is. Hi Bishop Barron, my name is Cecilia. I'm 11 years old and I live in Massachusetts. When Jesus
1: was in the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil I would like to know, why would God allow the devil to exist? Thank you for your time. Wow, great question. Um, I like the fact that you use the word allow. That's the right word. So people say, how come God created the devil? Well, God didn't create the devil. Meaning, God didn't create an evil being. God permits evil, we say, to bring about some greater good. So, let's look at the devil. We just talked about angels, right? An angel's a pure spirit. Are there good angels? Yeah. And are there fallen angels? Just as are there good human beings and fallen human beings? Yeah. Some angels um, rebelled against God. They turned to themselves and against God. So we call those devils, they're fallen spirits. Did God cause them to fall? No. Their own freedom caused them to fall, right? God gives us and angels freedom. We can say yes or no, because God doesn't want puppets. He doesn't want just marionettes that he manipulates. He wants us to enter into a, a personal, mature relationship with him. So he gives us freedom. Freedom can be abused, right? So a devil is a fallen angel. So it's good. Why did God permit that? Well, you might say because he permits freedom. He wants us to be free and so if you permit freedom you have to allow for the possibility of freedom being abused and that's uh, a devil now Take it a step further Having seen now the fall of of the angels the devils have now emerged Can God as it were use them for his purposes? Yeah, can they become part of God's purpose and plan? think for example, we say as as your example of, of Jesus himself what the devils usually do is they tempt us, right? They try to draw us into their rebellion. And you know what's interesting about that is we see it with human beings all the time, don't we? When someone has sort of fallen into a bad pattern of life, they become kind of a, they become a bad sinner. What's one thing they often want to do is draw other people into that, right? They, hey, come on, come on, you, you try it. Oh, come on, everyone's doing it, you know, evil evil in a way loves company. It wants to draw people in. So these higher spiritual realities, the devils, also want to draw us into their rebellion. We call that temptation. Can God use that? Yeah, it seems to me. And all the great saints will say this, because it's in fighting off temptation that we can come to greater spiritual maturity. Just like if you're, you know, you're playing baseball or something, and it's It's during a tough game or it's when you're up against a really tough opponent that your skills get better, right? If you're a basketball player and you're always playing uh, kids who are not as good as you are, you're never going to get better. It's in that sort of competition that you get better. It's an analogy. But in the spiritual order, sometimes it's, it's by resisting temptation that we become stronger, that we discover really who we are, what we're capable of. So that could be a reason why God permits how God can even use the rebellion of the, of, of the devils for his own purpose. Anyway, it's a tough, complicated question, but I just wanted to shed a couple rays of light on it for you. All right, I think we have time for maybe one more question, and we'll
0: stay in Massachusetts. Okay. Again, I think this is the same family. Cecilia, who is 11 years old, is <laughs> kind of last question. I think this one is from her brother, Sebastian, eight years old. He wants to know why in the world God made people. Here's his question. (laughs) Hi Bishop Aaron. my name is Sebastian. I'm eight years old and I live in Massachusetts. What I wonder about is, what is the point of people? Why did God decide to create us? Thank (laughs) you for your attention.
1: Love that question. And what a cool name you have too, St. Sebastian. That's still the most popular confirmation name when I confirm people out here for the boys. Sebastian Sebastian, for the Spanish speakers, is the most popular name because he was the soldier saint, right? Anyway, uh, I love that question because it's very simple and it's very profound. Why did God bother making us? (laughs) So isn't God perfectly happy in himself? Yeah, he is. Does God need us? No, he does not need us. Does God need anything in the universe? No, he doesn't. God is perfectly happy in himself. So why does God bother making anything at all? See, that's a, that's a really interesting question. What's the answer? I've already said it really, but God creates so as to share and make known his glory. God's goodness is so intense, if you want, that it bubbles over. God wants to share his Goodness and life and beauty with with others. So it's not out of need. God doesn't need you or me or any anything or anybody But he loves us into being he wants not his own good. He doesn't need anything He wants our good, right? He makes us so that we can we can participate in the beauty and goodness that that he has so, that's why he made us. It's out of love, not out of need. Another way to look at it, um, God delights in finding new friends. So, in a way, so God made animals, and he made insects, and he made the trees, and he made the planets, because they all manifest something of his, of his goodness. But why didn't he make us? That means people that have minds, and wills, and freedom because he likes friends he likes people that enter into friendship with him so god delights in our embrace of his invitation you know Um, here's a here's a way maybe to sum all this up Uh, when you're in a really good mood right things are really going well you're really happy do you tend to stay in your room and close the door No, at least for me, when I'm in a really good mood, I kind of get bubbly, and I want to see people, and I I, I get more expressive and and more outgoing. And it's often when I'm in a bad mood, that I might want to kind of withdraw and close the door, and I don't want to deal with people. Well, think of God is always in a good mood. God is always in a good mood, and so he's always bubbling over, and he always wants more and more to share his life. That's why he made you so that you could enjoy him, (laughs) so you could have the great uh, uh, happiness of a friendship with him. Does that make sense?
0: It does, and I want to thank all of the kids that sent in questions. Super fascinating, thoughtful, profound questions. We really appreciate them. Again, if you have questions, if you're a kid, ask your parent to help you record a question for Bishop Barron. You can do it at askbishopbarron.com. That's the website. You can record your question. Again, we've got a ton. We're trying to work through them. So forgive us if we haven't gotten to your question yet, uh, but we're trying to get through as many as we can. We'll be doing more of these kids' Q&A episodes soon. Well, before we go, a couple things. First, I wanted to give a special shout-out to some of our special Patreon supporters. These are people that believe in this podcast and this show enough to support it through monthly donations. uh, For in particular, David Richter, David Ty Sweeney, Ken Reeb Jr. and Linda Gardner have stepped up in major ways to help make this show a success. So thank you guys. Thank you to all of our other patrons. If you want to join them, just visit wordonfireshow.com slash patron. You can join them in helping to spread this show to more people. And then finally, please check out the new Sacraments Film and Study Program from Bishop Barron. You can learn more at wordonfireshow.com sacraments. But I want to echo something I said at the beginning of the episode, which is that at this time when so many parishioners are locked down, they're quarantined in their homes, they can't come to parishes, if you work at a parish, maybe you're a staff member, maybe you're the pastor the priest at the parish, consider our Engage platform, engage.wordonfire.org. When you sign up, we give you email courses, text messaging courses that you can send to all your parishioners, but they also get full access to all of our streaming films and study programs, including this one, this new sacrament study program. So all your parishioners can start watching it at home immediately. So check it out, engage.wordonfire. Org. Well, thanks again for listening. We'll see you guys next week on the Word on Fire show.